Welcome to Interesting Times. I'm Joe Streckert. This is an independent, listener-supported podcast. To support the show, go to interestingtimespodcast.com. I do have a life outside of podcasting. This past weekend, I was in Seattle for the Emerald City Comic Con. I also write for a website called Comic Book Resources. It's about comic books. And I covered the con for them. I had a great time. And I was astounded to see all manner of people and objects and lights and sound all about, mostly, comic books. I thought it was amazing that something that I grew up with, comics, is now as popular as it is in the United States. Oftentimes I found myself thinking, hey, I remember when this was a niche thing, now everyone likes it, and that felt amazing to me, and it shouldn't have. I really should not have had any astonishment that comics are a major pop culture phenomenon. Because they have been a major pop culture phenomenon in the United States for a long, long time. Going back to the first major American comic strip character, the Yellow Kid. Now, there was plenty of cartooning going on before the Yellow Kid came around. Lots of comics historians, they will point out to you that things like Egyptian hieroglyphics, Mayan pictographs, the Bayou Tapestry, they can all be called comics, or, if you want to be kind of smart and technical about it, sequential art. And I agree with that. Those things are comics. They are sequential art. Pictorial storytelling is as old as humanity. But the Yellow Kid, he was the first major American comics character, and the story of the Yellow Kid touches on issues such as ownership of intellectual property, and may, may, have played some part in a now-used term, yellow journalism. There's plenty of American cartooning going on before the Yellow Kid. Uh, newspapers in the 1800s, they had things like caricatures, political cartoons, and one-off little amusements and humor things for readers. Uh, those popped up with a fair amount of frequency, but the Yellow Kid was... he was different. So the Yellow Kid was the creation of Richard Felton Outcult, who signed his name R.F. Outcult, and he spent his early career working for Thomas Edison, of all people. Outcult was a technical artist for Edison's various traveling shows that would go from town to town explaining to people how awesome electrical lights and other gadgets were. So Outcult has kind of a fascinating resume. In this episode, he is going to work for two of the most powerful newspapermen in American history, and he's also got Thomas Edison as a professional contact. That is one hell of a LinkedIn profile. Outcult, he eventually turned his hand to cartooning, and he began drawing cartoons for a New York newspaper called The Truth. And The Truth has to be either one of the most pretentious or most badass names for a newspaper ever, depending on your point of view. And these Truth cartoons that Outcult did, they're all about orphans in a place called Hogan's Alley, and a lot of them satirized class and political issues of 1890s New York. In these cartoons, there is a character that is an early version of the Yellow Kid, but I don't think he's the Yellow Kid quite yet. So the Yellow Kid, he had a shaved head, because that was a way that they got rid of lice back then, and he wore a nightgown um, that was kind of raggedy, the implication being that is the only thing that his family had that could clothe him. And later on, he had this pretty distinctive facial structure with these large ears that looked like the handle of a jug. And a version of that character, but not the, you know, final form of that character, shows up in The Truth. But these Truth comics, again, 
They are little satires, and one of them, it features two poor-looking children, the yellow kid-looking guy and also his sister, who are talking to other shabby-looking children who are slightly better attired but still obviously poor. And the slightly better attired but still obviously poor kids say to the dirt-poor kids, they say, No, we won't come out and play with you. Our reduced means may temporarily necessitate our residing in a rear tenement, but we're just as exclusive as when we lived on the first floor front and Papa had charged the pound in the Department of Canine Captivity. So this is a little cartoon that's all about the persistence of classism, of prejudice, and of pretension, even in the face of crushing poverty. This is about people trying to hold on to whatever little petty status they have and to establish hierarchy and differences between each other even as they are all enduring the same kind of really nasty hard life. And in that sense, it's dark. And it's also kind of funny because people do that. So Outcult got hired from the truth to Joseph Pulitzer's New York World. And at the world, Outcult began illustrating in color. And in this run of his career, the yellow kid goes from being just a shaven-headed orphan that pops up from time to time to an actual character. And the yellow kid, he's kind of in a tradition of, say, the Fonz or Steve Urkel, a member of an ensemble cast that eventually just devours the piece of media he's in and becomes the focus. So the yellow kid is notable because he's the first recurring comics character. He shows up again and again in a regular strip, and these aren't just one-off gags. This is the adventures of the same character day after day after day, and that is what the draw about this is. Also, the fact that his nightshirt was yellow... That was pretty important. So at the world, Outcult gets to use color. And there is yellow ink, and he does use yellow ink, but it is not great. Um, it takes a while to dry, it runs, it's difficult to work with. In his first color appearances, uh, the yellow kid has either a white or a blue or gray nightshirt. But during this time, new types of inks were coming out, and Outcult was able to use a newer sort of yellow ink that adhered to the page more faithfully, and he was able to use what was then a kind of striking new high-tech color in this character design. So, the yellow kid would have looked very unusual in 1895 New York for a newspaper reader uh, because of his coloration. Previously, you would have seen characters that were wearing brown or blue or red or gray clothes, but seeing someone that brightly attired, that was new. That was striking. And there are other reasons, I think, why the yellow kid became as popular as he was and became the symbol and icon he did. So a lot of the other kids in Outcult's cartoons, they look like, well, orphans. They're not that distinctive. But the yellow kid is. Again, he's got that bald head. It is shaved because lice. And he's also wearing that striking yellow nightshirt. It's a simple, recognizable, easily reproducible image, and that's exactly what you want from something with mass market appeal. Also, the character worked well in the medium of comics. So as the strip went on, uh, the yellow kid was mostly a silent character, uh, staring out into space like a creepy, weird zombie child. But there was text on the front of his nightgown, and that text changed throughout the strip. It changed depending on what his situation was. For instance, there's a famous panel of the kid getting drunk on champagne, and his nightshirt reads, Well, here's to you. I kind of like that gimmick. That's not something you can readily do in any other media besides comics. And I think it's highly neat to see the first modern successful comics character take advantage of the specific 
quirks and powers of the medium. That's awesome. Outcult said of his inspiration for the kid, quote, the yellow kid was not an individual, but a type. When I used to go about the slums on newspaper assignments, I would encounter him often, wandering out of doorways or sitting down on dirty doorsteps. I always loved the kid. He had a sweet character and sunny disposition. Unquote. Also, though, I have no non-awkward place to mention this, but while we're talking about, you know, the visuals and the character design and all that, I should also mention that Outcult's work was not all scampering moppets and cute little ragamuffins getting into scrapes. His work featured plenty of racial and ethnic caricature that, for a modern person, is pretty hard to look at. Uh, this is a perennial problem for any aficionado of old comics, of pulp, or of early American genre fiction, such as myself. When Outcult drew people of African or Asian descent, it was an example of some of the ugliest racial caricature of the time. And there's really no getting around that, and I feel like any discussion of these old comics can't just be, you know, glowing in nostalgia. That should also be put in there as well. But the Yellow Kid, he's immensely popular. And just like today, he is a comics character who's got merch. This kid boosted sales to the New York world. People bought the newspaper because he was in it. Um, one theory as to his popularity that I kind of like is that people who had limited skills with either literacy or English found a lot of the comics to be amusing and fun to read. It was a piece of media that you could enjoy if you couldn't find something in your native language or if you didn't have adequate literacy to read the other stuff in the newspaper. There were also all kinds of knickknacks and souvenirs and bits of marketing effluvia that began to circulate around 1890s New York with this kid's image. This kid's recognizable, easily reproducible image. Things like cigar boxes and tea kettles and that sort of thing. Decades before Snoopy and Garfield became pop culture staples who could be found on just about any product, a bald Irish orphan was everywhere in New York City. So of course... William Randolph Hearst wanted a piece of the action. In 1896, the media magnate and basis for Citizen Kane offered Outcult a better deal, and Outcult took it. He moved from the world to Hearst's New York Journal American. Uh, and this wasn't the first time that Outcult had moved papers. Remember, he had worked for Truth, and then he had moved on to the world. And moving on to Hearst's paper, well, I would venture to guess that Outcult probably just saw that as one more career change-up and pay raise. But Joseph Pulitzer was not nearly so understanding, and he was probably more than a little annoyed that the guy who did the popular comic was leaving his newspaper. And flying in the face of decency, of copyright, and of just plain good manners, Pulitzer got another guy to start drawing Outcult's creation. George Lukes, a painter, started doing yellow kid cartoons in the world, just as Outcult was moving to the Journal American. So, the newspaper that originally had the yellow kid still had the yellow kid, but it wasn't the original yellow kid by the original creator. The original yellow kid drawn by the original creator was over in a different newspaper, the New York Journal American. The New York World, which had the first appearance of the yellow kid, kind of, was now publishing something that was more or less a knockoff of the original thing that they had previously published for real. Makes sense? This is something that has bedeviled the world of comics and comic books ever since. It has been an issue with syndicates exerting control, sometimes editorial control, over cartoonists and what they can or cannot write or publish. It has been an issue with who owns characters. 
Do the creators own the characters, or do the publishing houses own the characters? There have been lawsuits about this type of thing. There has been hand-wringing about this type of thing. There are all kinds of passionate opinions about this. Sometimes shifting creators around can be great, and sometimes it's far more mercenary and commercial, and it's still a problem in the comics industry today, and it was a problem back in the 1890s when Joseph Pulitzer thought that he could just take on another guy to do the Yellow Kid. We see a creator of popular entertainment getting ripped off by his boss, and somebody else remaking his creation. There are now two Yellow Kids. There are two different Yellow Kid newspapers, and Hearst and Pulitzer, they're these two giants who were controlling these newspapers, and they were constantly trying to outsell each other. Hearst and Pulitzer, they tried to move papers in all kinds of ways with lurid crime stories, with cartoons, with anything they could do to get somebody to pick up their paper instead of the competitor's paper. And for a while, the Yellow Kid did that. But later in the 1890s, the amusing, weird-looking, shaven-headed Moppet, he found something he couldn't really compete with. He was not nearly as exciting as war with Spain. Suddenly, conflict was on the horizon. There was tension. There was international politics. There was intrigue. There was the mystery of how the main exploded, which, by the way, we still don't know what the deal with the main was when that thing exploded. Maybe the Spanish did it, like William Randolph Hearst alleged they did. Uh, maybe they didn't. That is a serious unsolved mystery. It was probably like the powder keg that exploded or something like that. Anyway, suddenly there are explosions and tensions and potential war, and the news is actually what's selling newspapers. Well, when I say news, that's news in very heavy quotes. Hearst and Pulitzer did their best to sensationalize American tensions with Spain, and Hearst in particular manufactured plenty of outrage. That's all a topic for a different podcast. For our purposes, the scaremongering, jingoistic, and irresponsible form of journalism, quote-unquote, that is today called yellow journalism, might be called that because of the yellow kid. There is some debate about whether or not that's true, but here's the story. The story is that both Hearst and Pulitzer, they're both running these papers that are filled with lurid crime stories and allegations about, you know, the duplicity of Spain and all that, and the world and the New York Journal American, they were both referred to as the Yellow Kid Papers. And that got shortened to the Yellow Papers, and then Yellow Journalism. This sounds like, to me, folk etymology invented after the fact, but I sort of want it to be true. I'd like to believe that the most noteworthy and memorable things about Hearst and Pulitzer's sleazy newspapers were the comics, and that Yellow Journalism is indeed named after the Yellow Kid, but we can't really prove that, we can only suppose. The kid's popularity declined after the Spanish-American War, and out he seems to have lost interest in the character after he lost creative control and autonomy and had to compete with his own creation. out moved on to a more conventional and less successful strip called Buster Brown. Some Yellow Kid media did emerge after the 1890s, such as compilations of the newspaper strips that had been published in the World and Journal American. Uh, from a certain perspective, you can make the case that these newspaper strip compilations are the first real American comic books, and I think they are. And there were also some vaudeville shows that incorporated the Yellow Kid character in the 1920s, but after that, he kind of fades away, and other characters such as Popeye and Felix and Betty Boop, and Superman, and Batman, they become who people look for in the comics, in the funny pages. 
This wouldn't be a proper comic story, though, without a gritty reboot. Just like Batman, Superman, the Wonder Twins, the Yellow Kid has been resurrected and turned into a more modern comics character. In 2007, Joss Whedon, the guy behind Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Firefly and the director of the Avengers movies, he wrote the Yellow Kid into a Marvel comic book called The Runaways in a time travel storyline. In this storyline, Whedon made the kid slightly older and also gave him superpowers. So in this version of the story, the yellow kid is known as a wonder, which is apparently the old-timey word for superhero in that fictional universe, and the kid is able to shoot yellow lightning things. So that happened. But back to where I was at Stardust Podcast. I was at a big, bustling Comic-Con, and I was astounded that so many people were spending money on, were taking time out of their weekend, were buying merchandise related to, and were enthusiastic for comics. I thought, oh my god, we have come so far. We have come out of the niche little comic book shops, and now this is mainstream. This is great. But again, I really should not have been so enthusiastic or surprised. Ever since The Yellow Kid... It's always been that way. There are no ads on this show. That's because you support it. Go to interestingtimespodcast.com to sign up for a monthly recurring donation. And thank you very much to all of you who have done so already. I greatly appreciate that. Uh, I love hearing from you. Uh, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Streckert. Or, even better, leave a rating and a review on iTunes. That is very helpful. That helps other people discover the show. I'm also on Twitter and Tumblr, at Joe Streckert, joestreckert.tumblr.com. Thank you very much for listening. Talk to you next week. Bye.